Hello and welcome to the Green Majority Radio Show. Thank you for downloading it. This week we have a bit of an extra sarcastic show. I don't know, maybe too much caffeine or something. Uh, but we've got some EPA news, some more horrible things done by Scott Pruitt, some update on coal, as well as Kinder Morgan news from the West Coast in Canada. We hope you enjoy the show. We are continuing, of course, to accept new members at patreon.com. If you can uh, help out, become a member of the show and uh, help us get our new uh, intern, paid intern or manager or producer or whatever we're going to do uh and we'll figure that out pretty soon but you can get a jump on that help us support us we have about 200 dollars a month in donations right now we need to get it to about 400 to reliably pay someone to help us produce the show so we can uh, continue to improve at a much quicker rate as we would like to so uh, go ahead and get on that if you can if not stay tuned just enjoy the show it's free take care enjoy And welcome, you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I am your host, Saren Kaster, and I'm here as par usual with Stephen Hostetter. Thank you for coming, Stephen. Thanks for having me. And uh, I've had a lot of caffeine this morning, and I'm feeling a little jittery, so hmm. we'll just put that as a warning right at the front of the show. Uh, feisty Wheaties Day, perhaps? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a Feisty Wheaties Cousins Too Much Bad <laughs> Too much coffee. caffeine. <laughs> yeah, too much bad coffee. So, Stefan, uh, I'm just going to give a roll down as usual, and then we'll uh, we'll let you take the point here. So, <clears throat> uh, order as is pretty usual for the show is going to be somewhat improvised. But I feel like what we're going to do last is probably talk about um, some news coming uh, about Kinder Morgan. Uh, Kinder Morgan, there's a piece I'm referring to here from the National Observer, uh, which is talking about um, requests for delay. Essentially, Kinder Morgan is saying that they you know they want the rules bent for them, or they're not going to build their pipeline. We're going to learn about. We're going to learn about how we feel about that. I know that's a big mystery to leave at the end of the show. I don't want to, anyone to have too much suspense, but the, we'll, we'll get to that later. The mystery will be solved later how we feel about that. Uh, in the middle of the show, somewhere around there, we're going to also talk about, uh, so, or some at some point between now and then, but not first, is uh, EPA head Scott Pruitt. E, sorry, I should introduce him properly. EPA head and generally hideous human being, mm. uh, corporate sellout clown Scott Pruitt. Sorry, was that too much? I think that's his official title, actually. That is his official title, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> is a terrible human being. That's the, <laughs> That's the headline I'm going to give you. Uh, we'll get into the nitty gritty of why he deserves that label uh, a little bit shorter uh, from now. And then we may even get to some some update on the, some of those pollution statistics. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, uh, a record, uh, some studies that, it, that, that really just really upped the knowledge that we have about just how terrible uh, pollution is with reference to uh, relative to other causes of disease and death uh, leading cause of disease and death worldwide. Uh, we now have some more numbers. I don't know if it's part of the same study or not, but we have more more articles being published about uh, about that topic, and so we'll update that as well. But Stefan, you're going to start us off with a little bit about our friend Cole. Yes, um, and and not uh, the the name Cole, uh, the mm. the the <clears throat> thing you pull out of the ground. Uh, and so there's a whole bunch of ways into this topic, and you know, again, it's it's interesting that. 
there are always parts of the show that I feel like we come back to. You know, every like every like couple months, we're like, remember that 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 horse that we that is that is that, that is looping along. Let's let's go back and have a let's go beat it again. Uh, although we strongly con- do not condone right. uh, animal violence. No animals were hurt uh, during the process yeah, of this sarcasm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this metaphor in- condones no violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I think obviously the slow and oh I, actually I really shouldn't say slow the relatively rapid death of coal mm-hmm. as a industry is. Is, is certainly one of them and at each time there's sort of a new wrinkle to be mm-hmm. added to it and and of course there's a sort of ongoing conversation about this need for a just transition mm-hmm. and this need to ensure that the people who are currently employed in industries that are you know con- contributing to the to climate change and, and generally uh leading to the, the 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 destruction of our natural world um uh we we still believe these people deserve good jobs and 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 a livelihood and and so the conversation always comes okay so if we're going to accept that coal is dying and it will be dead soon um what do we do with all the coal miners and we, there's also it's been well documented as well and there's an interesting conversation here which i'll sort of briefly touch on and move on from which is this question about how much we really talk about coal miners comparatively to how many coal miners there actually are Mm -hmm. uh you know and i think it has i think that has to do largely with again this sort of on-running topic we've had for the last few few months or few weeks at least which is the people who have the the power to affect change the people who have uh sort of direct agency within who to impact the government in different ways or impact their sort of local governments and stuff like that uh, and how much more attention gets paid to them than say the the residents of puerto rico or or anything like that and and i think coal miners are a pretty good example of this because they have this interesting combination of there's again there's not a lot of them uh, to give a sense of exactly how many in 2015, and it's gone up a little bit since then, but in 2015, there were 65,400 coal miners approximately in the United States. Um, and, and to understand what that is in, um, uh, to, in, in comparison to other things, solar energy added 73,000 new jobs in 2016. So there's every single person who every, every single person who who mined coal in 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 2015 could have theoretically got up and entered the solar market and still not fit the the number of people who need to. Right. Um, now, if they were going to do that, they'd obviously need to be trained, uh, which will get to in half a second. Um, but the the key here is is that what's interesting and what makes coal miners so specifically um, uh, such a consistent political pawn tool i guess i'll say not pawn pawn's the wrong word uh but it's a consistent like the conversation of bringing back coal you know if if trump tried to bring back another uh, if trump ha- was trying to bring back a different uh, industry that only had that only employed 65 70,000 people uh bring back wagon wheel repair exactly yeah like like it's not it, like no one would care it's there's, there's something specific about about coal mining i think in part because it, you know i think there are these coal towns that still are really historically built off of the concept of coal mm-hmm. um and then also you know, there are some coal barons who have a ton of money and give a ton of money to the trump campaign um and and any campaign in west virginia uh, mm-hmm. Which is if you ever wonder why West Virginia Democrats are awful, uh, mm-hmm. the answer is coal. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, so, so so what's interesting about the coal mine specifically is that they are really they're centralized. They're centralized in ways in which um, they have they have particular amounts of political power because of where they are, uh, and, and 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 so coal miners are consistently brought up. 
And so the answer, of course, always is, okay, what do we do with them? Uh, or how do we make sure that they are, their livelihoods are, 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 are protected? And, and the option most often is job training. Right. Uh, let's let's train them to do something else. Uh, you know, they they have certain skills. Let's let's get them to do other things. And the and and what's happening now? And the article that we're sort of getting to is this is this article from coming out of it's on Business Insider, but it's a writer's article uh, from titled "Pennsylvania Coal Miners Are So Convinced Trump Will Bring Back Coal That They're Refusing Training to Other Industries," mm-hmm. um, which is bad news. Uh, it's bad news for I think everyone. I think actually there's no part of this story that is good news mm-hmm. uh, because it is not good news uh, for those of us who want to see a clean transition because the more people who are still really beholden to the idea that the return of coal will be much more likely to continually fall for the concept of a return of coal. Uh, but it's also bad news for the people who are refusing these job trainings uh, because the coal isn't coming back. Uh, you know, there's enough article, like there's enough information out there that that pretty widely shows the the dangers and the and the the sort of this the untenable landscape that coal sees from in front of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a constant question of um, like not only are we seeing China shutting down uh, like hundreds of coal plants like or, or, or actually ref- deciding not to build hundreds of coal plants um, committing to end uh, you know move to fully electric vehicles and yeah like they're they're pinning their economy for the future right and and, and as we get when we get to pollution the the, the big reason why is is is, is that coal it, coal leads to a ton of pollution you know like the Ontario f- uh, experienced that it's ourselves and here in Toronto experienced it ourselves when the, after the once as the coal phase out occurred we stopped having smog days you know, like literally, like like when we grew up, smog days were a pretty constant thing. We were getting, you know, there'd be five or six or 10, 15 days where you were mildly dangerous to be outside at all. And that doesn't happen anymore. And it's because we faced out coal and, mm-hmm. and everyone knows this, you know, like there's, it's, it's estimated right now that like 3 million premature deaths a year are caused by poor air quality, which much of which is associated with burning of fossil fuels. And that was a number from earlier this year, which does not come come close to the mention that the, the, the higher number that we saw, um, uh, la- a couple weeks ago with a, with a question about pollution and which is, which I think links to about nine or 10 million deaths a year. Mm-hmm. And so this is a serious, serious problem in that, in that, which is being responded to. Like it's, it's like, it's a con, you know, it's, it's, we are the, the need for coal is decreasing. Um, even as coal production increased this year in, uh, in the United States, uh, coal uh, still actually, they burned less coal still. So even in the United States, even when the United States with the bring back of coal and the uh, slight uptick it's seen uh, as as natural gas prices increased, it still wasn't burned in the United States. It was just it was just dug in the United States. Right. Uh, and so even so, not even not even Trump, who is you know who is going to bring back coal, is willing to bring back is 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 really pushing to bring back coal in a way that builds new coal plants. But that's, to be fair, that's just because he doesn't know how to do anything, not because he was specifically lying about that one thing. Right. Um, can I jump in with yeah, a couple numbers please. here? So uh, some interesting numbers were uh, that I found very, and this part I, I can't, I wish I could explain to you, I can't explain it to you because I don't, I don't understand how this works. I don't I understand the American system enough. But one of the interesting numbers, even without that f- complete frame of context to understand how this actually works, uh, was that federal programs set up by Obama uh, uh, back in 2012 or a little bit later uh, to job retraining programs have very 
fairly good employ, uh, uh, enrollment, near near full uh, enrollment. But state and local uh, programs are getting less than 20% sign up. And, and part of what their people are saying, so part of it is just low information voters, straight up. Uh, they, they, it's, you know, it's part of their town's identity and they're just sort of the, the fully, uh, they've drank all the Kool-Aid and all the, eaten all the cookies uh, on the idea that just reality is not reality and magically we'll, we're gonna go back to 30 years ago. Uh, but that's only part of it. Part of it is, is completely legitimate in this, even if it's not right from a sort of like strategic point of view, is understandable, I think is what I mean by that, which is that folks are saying, okay, well, I, why would I train as a, as a cyber warfare, or sorry, uh, cybersecurity uh, is one of the industries that they're trying to retrain people in. He's like, but there's no jobs. Why would I train in that? He's like, well, but the jobs won't come if you're not trained. So there's, there's a chicken and the egg, egg problem where you know, that's, it, it's still better to do that than to wait for a cold job to come back. But it's, I think it's understandable. I think we can have a bit of empathy for some of those folks who, you know, their family has been doing coal their whole lives. And you want me to, you know, maybe there, maybe you're right, there's no coal, but, but you want me to train in, a, uh, in another job that there's also no, none of those jobs. So what do you expect me to do? So, I mean, it's, it's complicated and it's, and there's obviously like everything else, there's multiple reasons, but uh, I just wanted to throw, because we, uh, you know, often make sarcastic comments. I wanted to throw some folks a bone there <laughs> on that one. A really interesting uh, last point I'll make on this, uh, Stefan, I'll hand it back to you is that um, you, you might see some numbers about some coal companies, uh, uh, some coal uh, uh, sets opening. There's a course, a coal mine open in Somerset, Pennsylvania and stuff like that. They're only creating like, like less than a hundred jobs. The course of coal mine was uh, for 70 jobs. But most importantly, when you're, when you're hearing, and this is one of those, you know, ways to lie with, lie with numbers when you see people like, well, we, you know, we opened 75 jobs. Average coal pay is about $26 an hour. Uh, these jobs are paying minimum wage because even that company uh, opened that mine as they announced that they're moving away from coal and going to natural gas. So the only reason they're doing that is essentially that just that they're spending some of their liquidity and they're only hiring people for half. So these folks are now, these, these new jobs that are, they're bringing back the jobs, 13 bucks an hour. Wow. I'm not going to tell you what I make, Stefan, but it's more than that. <laughs> My job is really hard. Right. Uh, being a chef is is one of the most stressful jobs in the world. Among that, it's not the <laughs> most, but it's it's in the list. Right. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't take uh, double what I make to work in a coal mine, and these folks are making quite a bit less than me. Yeah, well, and it's weird, it, it, and that's part of the thing, right? It, it's 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 such a complicated trap that we've that we've set for ourselves, and and I think that's the perhaps that's maybe a. Um, a statement on literally just what happens everywhere in right now we're experiencing the world is that humanity over the last 20 last 7500 years has set a very complicated trap that we are now all very easily walking ourselves into uh which is that there are a whole bunch of that, that, that these are people whose entire livelihoods are based from a specific place the town they live in and so part of the reason that they're rejecting even say moving to natural gas is that a natural gas pipeline worker has to travel around it's not the same kind of job right it's not a job where you get up you go into you 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 will work close to the mine you drive to the mine you do the work and come back and leave it's actually travel days you're not actually coming back you know you're not seeing your family as much um and so and so these are different types of work that are that are entirely different um like it sh it's not just that we're asking these people to uh to, to 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 enter a different a different field that they have not experienced that they don't don't know um but it's also asking them to to change the type of life they're living you know mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like um and that's true you really with with you that'd be true with solar that'd be with true with wind um there's not a lot of these sort of stationary jobs that you're able to sort of transfer someone into um now things like tech might might, might be to that but these these are not you know this there's there's there are some overlapping skills i think of someone who's working in say in the mine who's like sort of you know is, is in some sort of engineering capacity and then is moving on to other engineering roles becoming on 
start opening up the internet or opening coding is a very very different skill set mm-hmm. uh, which does not so so you can see why these sort of difficulties are are going on and it's especially obvious that if you have someone like the president who's you know relatively powerful consistently telling you that they are going to get the jobs back it's easy to believe that right. if you want to believe it anyway yeah exactly if then it, and someone tells you someone with a power to theoretically the power to do so tells you they're going to do it I think that's a very 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 likely thing you're going to want to believe wanting to believe it helps believe it yeah a lot yeah and 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 so what, what's interesting here is that we're it's just one of the examples of ways that we're sort of careening towards a um a, a, a gulf you know it, the the minute that like coal is dying the fact that they can offer $13 an hour for coal jobs and people will want it is is ludicrous Mm -hmm. you know these were high paying jobs these are jobs in which you know but but as as coal the problem with this is it's almost it's 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 in some ways a self-fulfilling prophecy in that the the people who uh as jobs decrease, they'll be able to pay the people less each time. So the jobs are getting sometimes worse and less common because of the because of the fact that every time you lay off, say, it, like, if you look back at the sort of the graphs that we're looking at of, of job decreases, even from say you know 2010, there's 80,000 coal people coal miners. Um, so to drop down to to say that means there's 15,000 people out there, all of whom might will, will take your job for one dollar less an hour. Right. Um, and and let's not be clear. This is this. Why on earth are these jobs paid by the hour and not paid in any sort of more uh, like give these people a salary? They're they're doing seriously dangerous and hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they don't have to anymore. So like it's this interesting combination of as 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 the number of workers available increases because because coal is dying, uh, the the value of the jobs that they're that are being offered can can basically decrease because right. they can get cheaper and cheaper labor, which will probably in some ways prop up the coal companies for a little bit longer keep them alive yeah uh, running yeah. on fumes yeah um, speaking. and so and so which will sort of drag these people further and further into sticking around until they find themselves you know at say age 50 in which job training is much much more difficult than say 35 right. and and so and so there's a there's going like there needs to be an answer to this and there was an answer to this the obama clearly set out to try to solve this question answer this question and Unfortunately, like most everything else that we're dealing with around now, we're we're we've decided to take seventeen steps backwards. You know, mm-hmm. we've decided that that instead of trying to convince people to see the writing on the wall and and, and move on to a to a job that suits them better or suits suits the world better, really, um, then you know, it, then we're we're stuck, right? We're stuck waiting. It, it seven. We've only got a minute left, but I, I wonder if we can finish on 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 a quick thought, which is that you know I've I, I think a lot about sort of like you know risk management. That's a, that's a that's a, a good word for a lot of the types of things that I the the way in which I think a lot about these a lot of problems. And I think one of the things that just like in the in the world that we have now, and I understand that there's reasons why this wouldn't be necessarily the best way to go about things in the old world. But now that we're in the age of technology, and and people our age and younger are used to the idea that you might have 19 careers throughout your life and that sort of thing, and that the whole way in which the world work and people interact with with each other and, and maintain their, themselves, their lives and their family and have a livelihood and everything is changing is that we just need to be proactive about this, right? So so the problem here is not is coal and climate change, but it's also there's a different way to look at it too. The other way to look at it is that like you should we should actively seek to use these as examples to actively seek out and avoid situations where uh, so much of something we're depend so dependent on something that if something happened to it we'd be screwed, and that should be applied across the board, right? If there was an entire province that was dependent on wind power, 
and then some other type of renewal say geothermal technology really took off and bankrupted it you should you should never be so eager to yes there's economies of scale and yes there's things to having like te you know technology hubs like san francisco and stuff like that yes but it should never you should never go so all in that if something happened you have no backup plan just across the board whether we're talking about energy whether we're talking about any type of planning D diversity is strength and resiliency is it's it's not the strongest that survive it's the most that's the quickest to adapt that survive and that is both true in both evolution and in and in life uh, you need to have a backup plan and if your backup plan is i don't know what to do we're in trouble but don't worry that'll never happen you need a different backup plan you need a new plan altogether and i think we have to be not only not only using that general guideline to make decisions about things today where where that is already the case and i would make a similar argument against pipeline infrastructure um and and propping up the oil industry but i think we should be proactive and i think it's not just for looking back i think we have to be looking out and avoiding making these similar decisions so we don't get into this situation in the future you know maybe you know we get the amazon headquarters well then don't take any more companies right mm -hmm. because we don't want our entire business to be subset to amazon uh but like you can do regions right so you can do like technology that's great because there's lots of innovation you know this company fails that's fine you go a different direction you know so promoting general into like general sectors I think there's nothing wrong with that because you can diversify, um, but not single as industries. Your entire town should never be dependent on a coal company. Uh, and 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 if we can't do anything about it in the past, then we definitely have to use this as a lesson for the future about about making big decisions. You know, if we do this and something happens, can we survive? And if the answer is no, then don't do it, no matter how tempting it might seem in, in the moment. I, I, your final thought? Well, I, I think that sort of concept of of working towards a um, the, the concept, I think that that resiliency of, through avoiding sort of really like we've over the last hundred years, the one thing we have done very very clearly is move towards as high yield as possible and as efficient as possible at the at the complete and uh, while and as that is increased, you've a hundred percent allowed it to become less and less resilient. Uh, you see that in agriculture, you see that uh, you said in our and almost everything we're building now and technology. You know, we're we're creating. We all we've done is try to be as efficient as possible and presume that increased efficiencies is always good despite any sort of giveaway on the on the other side and and i think that's that exists in in, in everywhere i think that exists in in these types of towns right you know we've we've decided you create spaces that are super efficient in one thing and and not nowhere else you know these are these towns are relics of a of a of a of a, of a you know 150 years ago when when People needed we need coal, and so people lived near coal mines to do this, right? Like that, like where, and it's very difficult, uh, near impossible, perhaps, to tell people who where they've lived their whole lives to move. Uh, but then, if that's not the answer, then you have to do other things, or you have to have other answers. And and it's what's seeming what's increasing ha increasingly happening is that they're being told that there aren't jobs in their small towns, and. And we, as as a, as a society, have to figure out what we're going to do about that. You know, how do we make sure that these people aren't struggling the same way they are, without sort of just forcing literally everyone to come into a big city, uh, or or alternatively, maybe you just think we should do that, which is <laughs> which is an argument you can have. It's not an uh, unreasonable argument; it's just there. Uh, but certainly, it's going to be one that's going to be hard pressed to a lot of people. Absolutely. So why don't we take that opportunity to take a pause? Stefan and I will take 90 seconds to figure out what's going to go next. <laughs> and uh, while we're doing that, while we're getting our stuff in order here, you're going to listen to a wonderful song introduced by Megan. You're listening to CIUT and the Green Majority, one of our wonderful community radio partners or the podcast. We will uh, be right back in just a minute. 
All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful, very appreciated community radio partners internationally and uh, particularly across the country here in Canada, as well as our podcast listeners, which uh, may be through iTunes, maybe through Sketcher. I don't know what other podcast things there are. I think Sketcher is actually Shoes. Is that right? Yeah. I know there's like 15 other ones. I think it's the only one I ever remember. Stitcher is the other one. Stitcher. Uh, Google Play is the the third. There you go. Uh, Although, but I'd be interested if Sketcher moved into uh, podcasts. Those are Shoes, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, it's a Sketcher company, yeah. Maybe maybe as you walk, they could generate the power to give you parts of it. So as long as you kept walking, you you could keep listening to your podcast. There's some alternative energy for you. Yeah. Sketcher, get on that. <laughs> you guys. Just, you know, that's just one of the bonuses of the show here is the free business ideas <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah. I'm sure Sketcher is listening, so it's <laughs> good. Uh, right. So Scott Pruitt is a terrible human being. Uh, I'm going to back that up now um, because I don't like to throw sand without having some, some backup. Um, so uh, he's a terrible human being uh, because he's basically you know uh, an industrialist who's spent his entire life fighting science and is now basically in charge of science he's in, mm-hmm. he's in charge of a special department of science that's in charge of keeping people healthy and alive uh, which is really terrifying and he seems to not even be interested in giving the like appearance of trying to not be hideous so well, he just actively believes like I th- the, my favorite quote from his uh, was was that he was when he was bringing back uh, the EPA to its roots, mm. uh, and and I be- and in his mind, like it was like it, it was one of these. It was one of these. Uh, it was one of these great quotes uh, because it was like because he was like, you know what? We have to bring back it to its roots. Um, and that is helping U.S. industry. And mm-hmm. you're like, no, that's not that's <laughs> that's not it. That's that's not the like that's America not, was founded by a coal baron. Yeah, that's like that's not why that's not why the EPA exists. It's called literally right. called the Environmental Protection Agency. So, why on earth would it be doing anything but protecting the environment? It's, it's sudden. I, I I suddenly wish they would remake the South Park movie or whatever. <laughs> no, the Simpsons movie. They had the EPA as the bad guy. Mm. They need to redo it so there can be Scott Pruitt. Just the same movie. Just put him as the EPA guy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so uh, so here's a good quote. Whatever science comes out of the EPA shouldn't be political science. Ooh, sounds very snappy. Mm. Uh, but here's the thing. <laughs> his idea of political science is any science that has a political implication that he and his industrial friends don't like. If it's going to cost anybody's business, it's therefore political by definition. Well, I hate to break it to you, <laughs> but you're in government. Anything that you can possibly talk about is by definition political. That's mm. just that's just for starters. But second of all, he's uh, uh, he's essentially uh, he's firing a bunch of uh, external. So he hasn't he hasn't gotten around to firing all of the internal scientists. What he wants to do is diversify. That was a word I just said. That was a good thing two <laughs> minutes ago. He wants to diversify opinion ah. uh, that's in there, and he wants uh, political science. So let's just let's do a recap for for any of our for maybe our younger uh listeners uh or or maybe uh new listeners to the show uh, we shouldn't assume too much background knowledge so just for background knowledge uh, the point of the government agency is to provide independent oversight that doesn't have a invested financial advantage <laughs> because it turns out that when giant companies have millions of dollars on the line they tend to err on the side of their profits as opposed to, say, I don't know, on people's health. This is an established fact rather than opinion. There's billions of examples. We could do an entire year's worth of show on examples. But you'll just have to take my word for it for now. So his idea about how to make it more accurate 
is to get rid of a bunch of independent people who are paid by the government to provide independent advice and get advice instead from people who work for or used to work for or in some way represent private industry because then it will be less bias. Right. You with me? Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Oh, that's it. There's no more. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the, the entire argument. argument. Yeah, yeah, that's the entire argument. Yeah. Uh, so this is, I mean, we're, we're having some fun here, but this is really terrifying. I, I would probably be less sarcastic and more angry if this was in Canada, frankly. Mm. I think there's a little bit of like... Well, this, we did happen. Or the, we're like, in a really good rut of like trying to laugh instead of cry about the US. And so I feel like that's sort of like coloring my attitude towards right. the story. Um, but sorry. Well, I was going to say like this, this type of... Uh, th interestingly, this is actually almost f a further step than than what we saw here. You know, like the entire revolt against muzzling of scientists, and and you know, one of the very few uh, election promises that Trudeau did keep was unmuzzling you know, sci climate scientists and scientists more generally. And this is going one step beyond that. This is instead of saying, okay, you can we can we'll learn the science, but we won't we won't let people to talk about it. This is just saying we just won't learn the science. You know, this is like it's right. it's, it's it's taking the extra step of being like forget about having government scientists learn stuff and not let them tell the public about it instead we just won't have government scientists uh which which sort of which you know allows then it, it you know it 100 emboldens and strengthens the ability to continually ignore the destruction of the planet like like it's 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 antithetical to the entire purpose of the right. like the environmental protection agency uh but you know who what do i know so i've mentioned Stefan twice today at least that i work as a chef yes this would make three minimum <laughs> uh so here's here's a here's a relative to me uh, example so you have three servers and a chef <laughs> and uh and somebody asks the chef and the server says well now hold on a second that's their bias. We should really, really all of us should get an, a, an opinion here on how the souffle is made because, you know, they're biased because they work with food. What? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's literally what they're saying, except right. in this sense, they have like a cash advantage to do it. It's that plus the fact that someone has a financial incentive to not do the best tasting recipe in that right. metaphor, right? Yeah. So maybe they're, maybe they've bet against the restaurant. <laughs> um, but so, uh, so he's, he's about to name new leadership and members to three key EPA, EPA advisory boards, the science advisory board, the clean air science advisory committee, and the board of scientific counselors. Those sound important. <laughs> As part of his director, Pruitt will bar appointees who currently receive EPA grants or who are in a position to re receive such grants, which is basically a way of saying anyone who might possibly have a valid opinion, based on that, you're not allowed to contribute your opinion. So we're now, we've now fired the chef from my metaphor, <laughs> and you're now asking asking just the three servers how a souffle should be made. Right. Well, they're the ones talking to people. To fear, That's true. What's weird about this is that, relatively speaking, uh, that is the entire ethos of the Trump campaign, is that is that I'm just going to... And then one of the servers will say, well, people are saying they like poison in their coffee. And then everyone else is like, well, are, is, what, are you hearing this other person? And then suddenly you have poison in the coffee. Because again, the point of the EPA is not to stop people from getting poisoned it's to protect the coal industry right so here here's an interesting thing i don't know the exact numbers in front of me but i was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about uh, uh you know people's attitudes and and whatnot in trump is so there's a very interesting statistic we had a lot of shootings in the u.s as, as well recently come up and there's there's a, a very very interesting statistic where if you go and try and look up attitudes towards gun regulation in the u.s you will find like good luck with that because you will find polls uh from the same time from different times before shooting after shooting during shooting whatever it doesn't matter all over the board, anywhere from like 10% support to 90% support. 
and I'm like, well, how do you, how do you make no heads nor tails of it, right? What does this mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this, this is obviously inconclusive, or people obviously change their minds all the way. No, 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 that's not it. What you have to do is you have to look at the phrasing of the questions. How was the question asked? And if you if you order them, uh, and this has been done, I, I'm not doing this. This is this has been done, and you can you can look it up. If you sort of order the questions in order from, regardless of what they're biasing, if you if you order them from most biased to least biased. So let me give you an example. Uh, do you think President Obama should have the right to take all your guns away? And and by the way, pass background checks it, terrible like 90 percent of people that's 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 where you get the like really you know against gun uh, uh background checks that's the thing that's usually tested is is your attitudes towards universal background checks if you use the most neutral phrasing uh, or so let me give you another example uh do you think we should be giving uh all people all terrorists babies guns <laughs> Then you get very high, right? So go if you, but if you use the most neutral phrasing, the ones where it just says, "Do you think it makes sense to uh, ask people to submit to background checks to ensure that people are in who are in risky categories?" Right. So if you lay out all the information, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, and you don't sort of sort of skew the question, try and push one narrative or the other. Those are the ones where you actually get the strongest results. Ninety-one percent of Americans, under the most neutral phrasing, support universal background checks. When was the last time there was gun laws passed? They couldn't even they couldn't even get the uh, they couldn't even get the bump stocks. Well, so that that's that that's the sort of thing. Just to finish, that's the sort of thing that you have to take in, into account when people are saying, "Well, you know, people are saying this." Yes. How did you ask the question? Well, <laughs> and to and to sort of to jump off that and to to carry it forward slightly, the discussion of how to ask the question is what science is. Like, mm. if you if you it, what like a big part of of, of scientific work is working to ensure you're asking questions that get the right the real answer rather than asking questions sort of biased questions mm-hmm. like and that's why you do double blind studies that's what that's like there's an entire amount of work that an entire body of work done to ensure that the way you're polling people actively reflects their their opinions and that I- and that is a part of the scientific endeavor is to in- is to try to find the best ways to ask these people's questions the best ways to understand this an example like you know there's and and it's interesting there's all these other things like um, how often people will say that they themselves don't have an issue voting for, you know, say a uh, visible minority, but their neighbors definitely would, which basically means that they wouldn't like, like it's, it's one of the things where it's like, if you, if you live in a, if you, if you're in an area, like you will always sort of, you will almost always answer incorrect. You almost always answer like that you are fine, but you will tip your hat by what you say your neighbors will vote on, right. would do stuff. So and again, that's, that, that's learning from pre from, 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 from over time, over time, over time. It's the scientific method to actually figure out how to ask these questions to get the answers that really reflect reality, which is the goal uh, generally of science is to find ways to best reflect the general reality rather than to sort of help people feel. Is it? Yeah. Now here's a, here's a here's another example. For instance, uh, if you ask the poll question, do you think Justin? Do you agree with Justin Trudeau that everyone who works in fossil fuel industry should be fired and all their families should starve? Mm. Uh, probably going to get very low approval of that <laughs> question. If you phrase it with, do you think that we should be uh, uh, insulating our industries such to make a clean trans to make an easy transition uh, uh, from uh, uh, dying uh, industries to new ones to pr- to provide uh, continuity and ensure that everybody has a, a, a well-paying, healthy job that's good for Canada, you're probably going to get very high raise. Now, that's also I would say the, the, my second one is is less biased than the first one, but it arguably also is a little bit biased, right? Because you're still assuming that those things will happen. If you know, there's still a lot of assumptions, but that's the thing I. I always want people to ask if you're ever reading any type of stats on anything, even if it's something you agree with. 
how do they ask the question? What what implication is there? What assumptions are those question making? What, what are are they trying to lead you in any way? And that doesn't mean that number is useless. It does. It just means that you have to sort of take that into account. You have to think about it. Um, and it's and it really it really is important. I've mentioned this before, but one of the books that I had to read part of for uh, part of my undergrad uh, in geographical information studies, which is computer mapping, just the short version of the explanation of what that is. Uh, but one of the books we had to read was a book called How to Lie with Maps. Uh, and it talks it talks all about that. It was actually one of the most interesting classes I ever had at, at U of T uh, because it, it really does a deep dive on just how easy it is to misrepresent things, partially because there is no purely objective way, right? Everything you do is bias because there is no way to have, you have to take some assumptions. And so everything is gonna be a little bit biased no matter what. So you try and minimize the bias, uh, but the best way to eliminate bias is to is to do multiple sampling, right? You ask a number of you ask the question a, num a number of ways, understanding and and intentionally creating bias in limited ways in certain directions, and then offsetting them in other ways in other ways, and then you compare those results. So that's really the only way to do it. But when you see like an internet poll about you know do you agree with this and that, like look, ninety one percent of people agree or disagree with this or that. I don't care. It's irrelevant. It's so less than irrelevant. Uh, never mind the fact that internet polls are unreliable for yeah, other so reasons. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. like you, you have to take that into account, even and especially when when things agree with you, um, to, that that that's therefore a good point to make. You have to, you have to do a little more homework than that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and so with all of that said, uh, it would be nice if the EPA had scientists working for them. Um, and and honestly, there's a, there you could do an entire show on some of the other things that that Scott Pruitt has managed. You know, removing all the mentions of climate change or a lot of the mentions of, from climate change uh, in in applications or sorry on the EPA website. Uh, they've they, they've they've started editing out uh, proposed no grant proposals. I think can be can be approved if they. Say the word climate change. Those being changed, like it's like it's these. It's 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 a systematic uh, destruction uh, mm -hmm. of of the attempts of the of, of attempts that and of ways to mitigate climate. Like it's it's one of those things which is so frustrating. It's same same thing happened uh, when with Harper was it was a. It's not just that nothing is happening. It's that when someone else comes into power, it is going to take years to undo the damage. You know, it's it takes it's it's the it's perhaps the most depressing thing about uh, about about all of these problems, which is that it's so much easier to destroy than to build. And so, you know, you can you can spend you can spend a very short period of time and then just and have destroyed a uh, over overwhelming experience, and then you can have you can come back the next day and be like, uh, okay, now we're gonna fix it again, and that's gonna take a year. You know, it's 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 not it's not one to one ratios of of having good, well thought out climate policy, and I'm just gonna just rip this thing to shreds and, and end it. It's 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 incredibly damaging. All right, so we're going to go to break, uh, but just quickly before we go to break, I'll just do a shout out. If you're wondering what I mean by this, you're going to have to go to our uh, Twitter feed at mm -hmm. uh, Green Majority there. But a uh, friend of the show and, and the listener, Alex Knight, wins Twitter today, by <laughs> the way. Uh, thanks, Alex. Uh, so we'll, we're going to be right back on the show. You're listening to the Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5 FM or on one of our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners or on the podcast, wherever it may be found, shoe phones included. Uh, we will be right back after this music break. Megan.
And we're back. You're listening to the Green Majority now into the home stretch. We got about 15 minutes left, and uh, Stefan, we're we're gonna we're gonna say something about the pipeline issue, but uh, we have a quick comment about urban planning. Quick, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, an- another friend of the show is uh, is getting mad at me for uh, for seemingly. We being... really have to stop giving out our phone numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just keep getting messages about when whenever we say anything they don't people don't like. Um, uh, yeah, finish. I was unhappy with my uh, with my uh, uh, appeared bias towards urban centers, uh, and I will actually I will admit that there's an un, un, unequivocal bias towards urban centers oh, absolutely. from me, me specifically yeah. um uh however uh there's there's it's not all great in cities uh there's a story here that's a uh, 21 21 thousand sorry, sorry 2100 so 2100 cities uh, are currently exceeding the recommended pollution levels feel uh in that which is fueling climate change and and th- this is again this is a thing that we've sort of we covered it last week uh with the pollution things we've covered it before uh the difficulty that 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 especially ur- urban centers now with the amount of cars in 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 in, in place are are pollution hotbeds they are very unsafe <laughs> um or they are they're dangerous to be in consistently uh depending on on how on how dense it is and the denser you get the, the more dangerous these places become uh to to clarify my position i, I said previously at the beginning of of, of the three th- of the set it was most specifically that the trends towards where um where where the economies are going like the, the the increasing places where economies are going um are more and more commonly not specifically focused on on places you know like like uh the coal mine is set there because a coal mine is near there uh a tech company can be anywhere um and and so they're probably not going to be in a in a coal mine town uh you know the same thing about uh the same thing exists for uh and then some of these other ones like more more distributed renewable energy systems are are, are sort of again not those jobs are not going to be centered around a specific place. There's there's fewer and fewer jobs that require you to be in you know in Wyoming, uh, not to pick on Wyoming, but there there's just it's just not a thing that necessarily has to you know there are resource extraction industries are the mo- really the most common them and maybe farming I would say are the two that really really require you to be in specific places. And so as resource extraction becomes less important, uh, I think you'll be seeing people looking for somewhere to go. Uh, and now and they don't have to be big cities. They can be they can be sort of smaller cities, um, or or maybe we'll find a new boom uh, of things that will keep these sort of small towns alive. But uh, I I do the the trend is is that direction. Um, but to jump back to this pollution story, real quick, is if we're going to be doing that, and we're seeing that we're seeing massive massive global shifts towards big cities. Like you look at you know I think a couple of years ago we passed fifty percent of people in in urban centers, mm-hmm. uh, and it's only increasing. And and as you and as you go, um, that brings a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of ways of dealing with things. You know that it brings in the question of uh, of how do you house these people, and 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 then how do you ensure that the space is not uh, is not so the what you are doing is you're concentrating pollution. Right, you're concentrating uh, pollution into specific places, and so which becomes more dangerous. Like, like there's what's interesting about this is that like that the, the thing about concentrating people is then you're also if you're also in concentrating particulate matter in pollution, most pollution is relatively safe in small levels, but gets more and more dangerous the more and more it's there in one particular place, and so. Um, and so that question alone is is one we have to answer uh, of of what 
what we do when we're all together because currently what you do all together is create a habitat that's not so livable uh if you know if 2100 cities globally exceed recommended levels of atmospheric particulate matter and this is interesting because these this is this particulate matter that is you said that really fast but i think that's a really important number do you want right. to say it again one more time 2100 cities globally exceed recommended levels of atmospheric particulate matter uh, and this is emitted when fuels such as coal and diesel are burned uh, and are small enough to get into the lungs. Um, and, but then also, so like they're dangerous for you personally, but then also are, are, are further increasing climate change as well. And, and this is, this is very dangerous. <laughs> um, and, and so, and so we, ha we have to, you know, it, it, as much as I will, as much as, uh, as I, as I believe that there has to be an answer to figure out what to do with some of these small world cities and, and, and small rural towns of, of how to sort of ensure that they, the people living there are, 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 have jobs that are happy and healthy. Uh, Moving them to urban centers without fi without focusing on making sure those urban centers are are them they themselves safe and and pleasant to be in uh, is not something is not an answer either. You know we can't just say move into you know move to Chicago and uh, or New York or LA or any of these big cities and, and presume that you'll be fine um, because LA has terrible smoke. Yeah, exactly because, <laughs> because because that's not that's not the only answer. You know we, we don't need LA does not need another car on its highway. You know that's just not that's not a thing that's required. Uh, yeah, I was going to bust into my I actually have personal theory uh, uh, urban concentration is one of my uh, interests and I actually have a theory about how to do that uh, not a theory I have a tentative plan mm. uh, a loose concept a, a proposal if you will about how that could happen but uh, I'm going to save that for another time mm. uh, but you can let your you can text your friend back and let them know <laughs> that I thought of this problem and I do have a solution all right <laughs> um, so uh, what we are going to spend the last few minutes here just talking about is two unlikely allies which is uh, BC and Saskatchewan lawyers for both BC and Saskatchewan uh, are arguing uh, for more time to review a, a, a submission sent to the National Energy Board uh, regarding Kinder Morgan's pipeline Kinder Morgan has been requesting quote uh, relief uh, from Burnaby's law which were preventing uh, the building of the new Kinder Morgan pipeline, the Trans Mountain, I believe. That's the right one, right? Yeah. Yes. Sometimes we, there's so many pipelines, I get confused sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, so essentially, what's happening is that. Um, uh, the company is saying, I don't, you know, uh, th they were they were a little bit upset that, that Burnaby and some other uh, parts of some other areas or other parts of BC and elsewhere uh, were essentially saying, well, we don't want this. And then the Trudeau government essentially last year overruled them and said, too bad, you know you want it. Um, and then, the, like my Trudeau impression. That's solid, yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And so now this is in courses. So I, I sort of, in, in, sort of understood this at like an emotional level, but I'd never actually read it as being. It's not literally true, but like but being sort of similarly true. A good comparison was that essentially the NEB has power similar to a federal court. And so they have quite a bit of power. And so essentially, Kinder Morgan is trying to get them to speed up the process. And the response, I think, which is obviously quite valid, is that uh, Kinder Morgan has a hideous record, even compared to other fossil fuel companies, a terrible record of not standing by agreements, or they'll go ahead and build things that they know darn well they need permits for, but not wait for the permit, and then sort of like, it's easier to ask forgiveness sort of attitude. Um, and so they're a bad actor, even among oil companies, they're a bad actor with uh, no social capital at all. Uh, absolutely no reason to trust them. They've been they've proven themselves untrustworthy and that they have a callous attitude towards the public on numerous occasions. Uh, CR hilarious takedown of uh, Kinder Morgan CEO from Ian Anderson from like three <laughs> years ago on our YouTube channel where we just made fun of him because it was fun. Yeah. Um, 
but essentially what the surprising part of the story a is that uh, for for i for as far as i could find so far unexplained reasons was that saskatchewan was agreeing to this timeline they're not saskatchewan is not taking a position on the pipeline itself but says that they agree that 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 uh, Kinder Morgan does not deserve an expedited process, but essentially the expedited process is uh, that they want to, to hurry up and approve it. Uh, so, I mean, that's really what's happening. You can, uh, a lot of the rest of the article here that I'm pulling from National Observers, just sort of more background information on the pipeline. So if you're, you're unfamiliar with the the sort of situation as and how it came to today, you can go ahead and read the article, but I'll, I'll assume most people are, are at least generally familiar with that if you're not going ahead to the website. Uh, but the the this, I, I think more that the, what was interesting, worth talking about was that update and the fact that this is a, another story to watch because as we see uh, a lot of these uh, projects uh, getting stalled slowing down even Trump was saying okay we're gonna override the Obama rules and we're gonna go ahead and let the uh, Keystone Keystone yes Keystone. Uh, go ahead that now looks like it's not going ahead or it's, it's still being fought there's even stories like this story in the Guardian actually good a good two-part story in the Guardian right now you can go check it out about the the ranchers the Republican ranchers uh, fighting still fighting the uh, Keystone so it's despite the fact that it's been approved it's Trump is learning that just saying things are gonna happen does not necessarily mean they're happening <laughs> Right. Well, he knows that. Yeah. Other people are learning. Right. Other people are that learning. He, yes. That he never means anything. <laughs> if something happens because he said it was going to happen, he's like, "Oh wow, look at that." <laughs> hey, that worked. <laughs> that wasn't the intention of saying it. Yeah. The intention of saying it was was, was <laughs> something else. Um, but so, but this is more. I think this is the the portion of the show. I mean, we've been doing this show to, uh, so long. I mentioned last week that that one of the last couple of weeks was my personal ten year anniversary on the show. We've been doing this for a really, really long time, and it's been really fascinating to sort of over my adult life here because I'm 35. I've been doing the show for 10 years. So a big part of my adult life, you know, as far as I'm concerned now that I'm over uh, 30 is that adults start at 25. Haha, <laughs> take that young people. But, uh, you know, so uh, the, uh, this has been really, really my entire growing up, my entire adult life has been sort of following these these issues. And it's it's interesting now that we're into sort of the, we're into the, 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 the second third to the third third of this book which is where the tension starts getting raised and the stakes are getting higher and resolutions seem imminent. Uh, but you're not sure which way it's going to go to, to really see these, these pipelines that, you know, we even spent, we in the large sense have been, uh, fighting for so long and we lost some victories. We won some victories. There's some, there's some nail biters still on the table, but it's clear that's that, that things are changing. So even if, you know, even if Kinder Morgan goes ahead or even if Keystone goes ahead, those are sort of the details that were predict the future, but it's now so obvious that that f the market that the world has changed enough that whether or not these projects go through they shouldn't by objective standards so not even just from climate change like that the world is changing everything's speeding away from it it's really just where the chips are going to fall for this final chapter uh, of this story uh, but I, I really tangibly feels to me Stefan uh, you can feel free, I'll give you the last couple minutes to comment but it really feels to me um, that this is kind of wrapping up. I feel like we're at the end of this chapter to some degree, even if even if the end, the tailings of it go on for 40 years. <laughs> the tailings? Um, <laughs> pun intended. Um, is that we're, we are in fact, even if the last chapter is a very long chapter, mm. I, I feel like we are definitively in the last chapter of this story now. Well, and I think it's, um, I think it's, it's important here to note that the, you're, hey, you're like what's it's, what's interesting actually is that there aren't any new battles popping up. What's interesting about this is that there's not uh, is that there's not another pipeline, right? Like it's not like it's not like there's been another pipeline or a third uh, something else. There's, there's not a new wave of things we're trying to deal with, right? Mm -hmm. There's not a new wave of the. It's almost the the the, the conversation has has begun in some ways to shift from. 
uh, a conversation about the sort of trying to limit pipelines to conversations about about prices on carbon or other things. Like I think we're we're actually seeing a you know. Uh, like at least when is the last new big pipeline been proposed for the Tarzans that, that have, that's opened up and, and, and sort of sort of like taken 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 focus on me like how how is that how what, has that happened and how quickly did it change from ho 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 silly environmentalists you don't understand oh my god please save my pipeline my company's in danger like yeah. I feel like it was like right. over a matter of would, six months that that that, that sort of like that tension in the room shifted from, you know, from sneering to like begging almost. Well, I think about yeah, but 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 honestly, weirdly, about ten years. I think you know when I think when when Bush left, that was every there's a sort of a feeling of relative. This is pretty easy, and then and then over the t eight years of Obama and and entering the Trump administration, there these fights have become dramatically difficult, and and it's, and it's affecting literally everything. You know, uh, to to sort of to tie these back to, to tie at least well a lot of these stories uh, all back together. Um, it's not as if these places. It's, it's not as if there is a, a strong case to be made that these oil that 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 oil and gas are the future still you know there's you know even in place anywhere like uh, so after i insulted wyoming i some, someone sent me the the a, a breakdown of major industries in wyoming which <laughs> which directly states the fact uh that uh, that m mining and extraction were were the biggest have declines in the 70s but remain a major industry mm -hmm. and and that in that in their, their low income taxes and right to work laws um and and then a high rate of ec economic growth which is important there because right to work laws ensure you're not making a lot of money so the, the individual people aren't making a lot of money and no income taxes means that you're probably not getting a health care so sorry about that Wyoming um, and and so you're looking at this and I'm like I'm doubling down. I like Wyoming is not going to be a place unless they figure out something else to do because mining and extraction uh, and is 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 it cannot is not the future. Mm -hmm. um, and and so and there might not be major any. The, I'm sure the major city in Wyoming is a big enough size that it has other industries and there's tourism. Uh, people can go to Wyoming to see the mining and extraction. That's solid. Um, agriculture, which will always exist. Like, I think that's the one the one thing here that's going to be the one place based thing here that's going to be constantly important is literally just going to be this uh, is going to be the fact that you're you're always going to grow food somewhere uh, and growing food close to places is going to be very is going to be increasingly important so if anything I almost sort of see like if there's going to be if there's a future for Wyoming they should really double down on this agriculture fact um, and 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 accept that these sort of pipelines and and mining things are not going to successfully carry them forward as an economic driver well it's only going to be a, a matter of time before uh, all the farming is bought out by Amazon anyway and then they'll be working for Amazon so <laughs> Everyone's two a, birds with one stone. Right. The, the trick here is that everyone's going to become start working in tech because tech will buy everything, well, rather than actually any, anyone becoming coders. There was there was that saying that I heard. I'm dating myself a little bit because it's Microsoft, at least as far as like popular culture. Anyway, I don't know about the financials, but it's not sort of as big a, a thing as like the sort of the that's yesterday's Microsoft is today's Google, right? Uh, as far as its place in the in the popular culture, but there was a saying that I remember from the you know the the get rich quick scheme of the nine of like nineteen ninety two uh, was step one give find something people pay perfectly good money for and give it away on the internet and step two <laughs> is just wait for Microsoft to buy you out. <laughs> uh, and I sort of feel like that's where you go like position yourself in an industry that that Amazon's going to want to buy out tomorrow and then just wait for, and and wait for them and then you and you're an employee yeah, yeah, yeah. of Amazon there uh, you go there problem we go. solved yeah yeah um, yeah it's a weird. Um, 
It's so it's such a it's such, it's such a funny and odd existence. I am kidding. Let's just be clear. Uh, yeah, yeah. We don't. All, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> please don't. Please, please do not let tech companies buy literally everything, uh, because they are uh, they are not any better than anyone else. And and if I can, if I end on a completely random. They're just thought, not the worst yet. They're not yet. Yet is the key here, um, because as much as we are, yeah, as much as we are hoping that uh, you know we cannot rely as 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 all of the information coming out in the last couple of weeks and months and for us a year really, we cannot rely on. Facebook and Twitter to be the art to be the deciders uh, of what is good and should be said and what is not good and should not be said because right. uh, they are just out to make a bunch of money so right. if That's we sell ourselves out to please please if you own a small family farm do not sell yourself to Amazon uh, because we don't need drones uh, just fl- <laughs> flying tomatoes at people that's not that's not the world we need to live in right now <laughs> right if anything leave it to Facebook <laughs> so that's all the time we have for this week's show you're listening to the green majority comedy hour apparently or at least the sarcasm hour yeah uh, here at CIUT or our wonderful partners or uh, the podcast, check out greenmajority.ca for links to these news stories and more. And other than that, uh, have a good week. We actually have a guest next week, Stefan. So Amazing. it'll be more than just uh, Stefan and I next week. Uh, take care. Have a good week and we'll talk to you real soon. 